Hi, and welcome to a Dad's Path podcast. We're real dads solving everyday problems. Each week we tackle issues that dads everywhere face and deliver actions you can take right away. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode and go to adadspath.com to get our free newsletter exclusively for dads. Our goal is to help you make fatherhood count. Dad on. Hello and welcome to another episode of a Dad's Path podcast. I'm Will Bronstein. I'm thrilled to introduce today's esteemed guest, Dr. Thomas Phelan. Dr. Phelan is a clinical psychologist, internationally renowned expert in the field of child discipline, and the author of the award-winning and best-selling parenting book, One, Two, Three, Magic. His revolutionary approach to managing children's behavior has transformed countless households and brought about positive change for families all over the world. I'm just very excited about this conversation. Welcome, Dr. Phelan. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Will. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on. No, I'm real excited. Like a lot of new dads, I heard of the idea of one, two, three magic before I understood what it was. It's almost bigger as an idea. But then when I dove down a little bit, I was so impressed on the simplicity and just how effective it can be. And I want to dive in together to understand how it works. But can you first describe the underlying principles behind the program, behind the one, two, three magic program? I can. And in fact, you hit on one already, and that is simplicity. When I got out of graduate school as a clinical psychologist, I learned the hard way that if you don't keep it simple, nobody will do it. I was doing parenting groups, and we assign you know homework for the week. They come back the next week. How'd you do with the homework? I get these kind of vacant stares, you know, people that I mean, what to do. It was I guess it was too complex or whatever. So, and it's and it's when I'm talking simple, I'm talking real simple. So we we tell parents, hey, look at this isn't rocket science, but it's tough. And you got three jobs. One is to control obnoxious behavior. The second is to encourage positive behavior. And the third is to bond with your with your kids. You do those three things, you'll be a pretty good parent. I love that. Yeah. No, that's and like you said, simplicity is so important because parents are so busy and oh, yeah. we all feel busy, but we can also feel overwhelmed and we then have these kids, this little this little one who's making things more complicated, right? Because there's no longer a situation where me and my partner or me and my wife can talk things out and say, oh, how should we solve you know, our issue? There's a, a little kid who's maybe not listening, who's their own sure. person, right? So, And we have no, no training. You, I'm sure you've heard this before. They always talk about it. We, you go, go to get a driver's license, you got to have bundles of training. You want to become an accountant, you got to have you know advanced education with kids. All you have to have is the ability to make a baby, and that's not a lot of training. That's yeah. the trouble. <laughs> no, that's right. That's right. And when you came up with one, two, three magic, that that sort of, with that program, how how was it different than what you saw out there? The traditional approaches. I tell you, the biggest difference, and simplicity was certainly one, but the biggest difference was the fact that parents talk too much, and in in a lot of the approaches that were out there encourage parents to talk a lot. And when parents talk a lot, they start babbling and they start nagging and they start yakking and they antagonize the kids who aren't listening to what they're saying anyway. And now we have an argument going on and we've lost. What's the main issue? The main issue is the child's not eating or they're not going to bed or they're not getting up and out in the morning. And so one, two, three was, I think, a groundbreaker in terms of getting parents to learn. Sounds funny, getting parents to learn how to shut up, to say what they have to say 
and be done with it and know what they're going to do if the child doesn't cooperate. That's fantastic and actually dovetails very nicely with where I was going to go, which is what are some challenges? Because it is such a, as a simple program or fairly simple to implement, but what are some common challenges parents, you've seen parents face when they first start using the one, two, three magic? Is yeah, well, the, the the one is is going to be that, and that is to to, to say what you got to say and stop talking. So we use different tactics. The fact that we break down the job into three jobs, there are different tactics for each each job. And so job number one is obnoxious behavior, and what one two three magic has been most famous for is what we call counting. And counting is for dealing with arguing, yelling whining, fighting, teasing, screaming, sibling rivalry, and throwing a football in the house. All those things are difficult behaviors. You want them to stop. So we call it stop behavior. So when the child's doing the thing, you hold up one finger and you say, that's one. And by prior agreement, that means you're telling them they're doing something they shouldn't do. You want them to figure out what it is and you want them to stop it. And so that's what counting is. You don't say that's one. Come on, I'm getting sick and tired of this. Uh, listen to your mom. What's the matter with you? Why do we have to go through that? You say well, that's one, and then you stop. And if the kids don't stop and they hit a count of three, then there's a consequence, which we usually use the timeout, but you can use timeout alternatives as well. But it's real simple. You know, you don't have to give them a half-hour lecture on why they shouldn't tease the brother. Yeah, well, it's funny because you're right. It's simple, but it's complicated, right? It's simple as a parent. I'm in, I'm in the throes of it right now. I have an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, and it's obvious and simple that when my child is misbehaving, I, you know, the simplicity works. You know, go one, two, three, or you know, whatever it is, as opposed to the fighting, the argument. Say, hey, why are you doing that? Can you stop? Why aren't you stopping? Why aren't you listening to me? And we go back and forth and back and forth. And it's this sort of power play we get into. So while it is simple, the in idea, I mean, you're right. It, part of the magic is you have to actually work it to make it make it effective. And it's not always easy as parents to dive in there, as you can imagine, as you've been through, I assume, right? That's right. And you're really hitting on something. The word power play is, is critical. And I think you talked about emotion because power play, if you get into a power play, you've now lost the focus on the misbehavior you started with. And we're now into a power play. And that's exactly what it is. It's an emotional contest between two people, each of which wants to win. Parent wants to win. Child wants to win. They, and they use silly words and, and arguing and yelling to win that battle. Well, that's not the point. The point is you were teasing your brother and we want that to stop. And the complication, like you were saying, the complication is the emotion. That's the hardest part of being a parent, I think. Yeah, no, Absolutely. And I know one thing you talk about in a challenge that, again, I'm getting personal, might as well <laughs> you know, open up because I think a lot of challenges I have, a lot of other dads have, is consistency. And so one, I, I think you talk about how important consistency is with one, two, three magic, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. And then maybe after that, talk about some strategies you can suggest to parents where it's not as consistent as we want it to be. Yeah. Consistency is, is very important. If you're going to do something, you want to do it you want to do it the right way and you want to do it consistently. And that means time after time. And that means, again, rest, wrestling with your emotions. So if my job is to give you a count, you're fighting with your brother. You know you're not supposed to do that. I say that's one for both of you. Okay? I don't need to explain it. 
but maybe I just got home from work and my boss chewed me out today and I'm really fried and I'm hungry and I'm mad and I'm this and I'm that. Now you're fighting with your brother and I just yell at the two of you for, you know, five minutes straight. I'm taking it out on you. I just blew my consistency out of the water there and I'm doing something totally different. Good thing about the one, two, three is it's simple and you can come back to it. You say, hey guys, sorry, I'm not doing it the way I'm supposed to be doing it. We're going back to counting. That's great. No, I, and that's such an important lesson to, to model the apology, right? Hey, I made a mistake. I recognize that. I'm sorry. We all make mistakes. I will do better. And I think that's a, another part of modeling that we modeling is so big. And I know this is a little outside of your one, two, three magic, but that's something that I found to be beneficial. And I keep hearing from other dads that being a little bit more open in that way saying, Hey, we made a mistake. can be a teaching moment. It's really true because, you know, us dads, we're probably better than the women at getting angry. And so one of the problems with being angry, it's part of the, the cognitive science will tell you this. Anybody who's really angry automatically feels that they're right. And and and, and so if I'm going to slap you in the face, I'm going to I feel that I'm right slapping you in the face. Well, just because you're mad doesn't mean you're right. And as you were just saying, being able to apologize and say, OK, I, I blew it to come down off that anger and say, I didn't do it right. I'm, I'm sorry, we're going back to doing it the correct way. Make, yeah. make I like that a lot. How does the approach of one, two, three magic vary based on the child's age or development stage? Or is it pretty consistent? Yeah, and you know, it'll vary some. We, what we talk about, say we're taking, talking about a nine-year-old and they you know, hit their brother or whatever, or something like that. Well, nine-year-olds know they're not supposed to hit anybody. So you could say that's an automatic three and I want you to take five. And then maybe we'll talk about it later at some time when the event is not occurring. That's a nine-year-old. With a two-year-old, they hit somebody, you might say that's three, and you might say no hitting, hitting hurts people. But that might be all that you're going to say. Might be, uh, uh, and you might say it right at the time. For the nine-year-old, you're gonna wait. I don't like the idea of doing explanations or discussions or whatever right when the event is occurring. I think a lot of books miss the point there. You're gonna be talking to an awful angry kid and they, they're not listening to the thing that you're saying. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. And that's interesting. I like how though it works with different ages and developmental. And what about children with different temperaments or needs like those with ADHD? I understand one, two, three magic has been used in that regard, but I'd love to hear kind of how, how that's worked or, or why you think it's worked. Yeah, well, one of the things about ADHD, one of the, the one, two, three magic was developed actually with a large cohort of ADHD kids, including my son. And I, every family I've been in, I've had, a, I had an ADHD a brother, my son, now the grandkids. And I don't think I'm ADHD myself, but I've had a lot of experience with it. But kids with ADHD are very persistent. They're very pushy. They're very emotionally over aroused. And so I've always told parents, if you got a kid with ADHD, you got to be a professional parent. And one, two, three magic will help you with that. And especially with kids with ADHD, you can't give confusing verbal signals. You can't go on for five minutes explaining why it's a bad thing to do this, that, or the other thing, because they, they'll hardly listen, listen to you for 10 seconds. And so it's a great program in that it says that's one, means the ball's in their court. I like that. Yeah. No, that's, and I think we talked earlier, we started the conversation about there's, we have three jobs. One is to curb obnoxious behavior. 
But I'd love to talk about some of the more positives, being a great parent, being positive reinforcement, maybe. Can we talk about that a little bit, the balance between discipline and positive reinforcement? Yeah. Well, the second job is is encouraging positive behavior. So you got the first one is arguing, yelling, whining, all that stuff. The second one is going to bed, eating, doing your homework and that stuff. And we don't use counting for positive behavior like that. Counting is geared toward producing cooperative motivation of about five seconds. That's one, five seconds you're going to cooperate. And you usually will. If I want you to do homework, I need more than five seconds. I need 30 minutes. Get on up and out in the morning, I may need 35 minutes. Eating, I may need 20 minutes or something like that. So we need to establish routines. And so we have different tactics, including what you mentioned, positive reinforcement for establishing kids doing their daily routines. And so we have praise, we have charting, we have the docking system, we have a lot of stuff. But the main thing is to rehearse a routine with the kids, say for like going to bed or something like that. You're not going to use counting. You're going to use a routine. And you rehearse it with them so that when that time of the day comes, the kids know what the drill is. And it works very well. So they know what the drill is. You've rehearsed it. They're doing it or they've done it. And then you praise them at the end or you praise them as it's happening. Or is that more personal? It's not. No, you can you can do both. <clears throat> Generally speaking, you probably we probably praise our preschoolers the most because they're so cute. And then when they start getting less cute all the way on to adolescence where they're not cute at all. We hardly praise them at all, which is a mistake. <laughs> so we want to we want to keep doing the praise. It's the amount of it's generally going to go down. But when we do the rehearsals, for example, for the routines, you say, "Oh, great job, guys! You guys, we're putting our pajamas on at three o'clock on Saturday afternoon. That's really silly, but you guys are doing a great job. And when we're done, we're going out for ice cream or whatever. So you're doing the praise during, you're doing it afterwards, and then when they actually do the going to bed on a real night." You can praise, but you tailor it. I think you I think you were hinting at that before. Some kids like syrupy praise, some kids like business like praise, and some kids you definitely don't want to overdo it. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, all kids are different, all people are different. And so yeah, you have to see how they react. And but it's interesting because you're saying, I mean, the praise side is different, certainly. Like you can tell the way you chat with your kids or and talk to I've talked to a lot of parents you've talked to a lot more parents than I have so you know how different kids are and so praising is different but at the same time it's interesting that the one two three as a discipline method works for pretty much anyone isn't that interesting yeah it is and uh, you know some kids there's let me tell you this I think these days there are some people one two three has been around it sold two million copies a lot of people know what it is and all that so some people nowadays don't like counting anymore and so I'll say okay you don't don't want to count you, you can do colors. You could do the timeout signal from professional football if you want. You can come up with something. You could negotiate it with the child. We call it signaling instead of counting now. But some kids may like a color, behavior stoplight. They may like the timeout gesture. Some kids may like counting, but you can vary it. Awesome. Now, that's, uh, that's interesting. And then in terms of specific specific discipline, I guess I'd call it, the, the, the specific consequences, that's a better way of putting it. How, like, because we'll have time out and then a child will say, great, I don't care, I'm going to my room. I want to go to my room. I want time out. <laughs> so does it need to be punished? Is that okay for them to feel that, to say that, to express that? And, or does that, I mean, how do you know that your consequence is matching what it should be? Well, it's very simple. Any child who's a little bit irritated and says, I don't care, means the opposite. 
uh, when that child says, I don't care, I'll go to my room, fine. Don't say anything at all. They come out, you don't talk about it, and all the whole thing is done. But anybody who makes that comment uh, doesn't really mean it. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. So assuming they didn't make that comment, I mean, a better way to put that question, and maybe there should have been two questions. I think you're totally right about that. But the other question would be, how do you make sure your consequences are effective? Is timeout simply enough? Yeah. Well, that's a good question. So let's let's take it slightly different and say, let's say that the counting isn't working. And how do we know it's not working? We know it's not working because the frequency of that misbehavior is not decreasing. Right? So we have two questions to ask ourselves. The first one, which precedes your question, is, am I getting too excited and yelling too much or getting too angry as a parent? Because if I'm doing that, no consequence will make any difference because the kids get such satisfaction out of driving us crazy and irritating us parents that that rewards the misbehavior in itself. So we have the no talking, no emotion rules. So if it's not working, how am I doing with the no talking, no emotion rules? If it, I'm doing fine and it's still not working, <clears throat> we have three things the kids can't do in their room, no phone, no electronic entertainment, no friends along with. So you take a look and say, well, is there something else going on in there? Maybe they're a cell phone addict, and maybe they need to do the timeout without their phone, or we may need to adjust it a little bit. To, so we'll, we'll kind of look at it. But the number one thing is the no talking, no emotion. Interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. And even before you're saying, we said, we've talked about that multiple times in the conversation now, it's the number one thing parents have a challenge with, and I see it all the time. I mean, we, <laughs> yeah. It's the, it's the biggest problem. Parents will tell you that too. They say, what's the hardest part about this? It's not just when you're mad, you want to talk, you want to yell, you want to, you know, do it. And it's hard to keep quiet. That's right. And you want to have the last word. Yeah. And then right. I say, fine. And you say, fine. And I say, wait, I, don't say fine again. Do it. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> word, that word you use before power play is, is that's the motive. I, I got my power play, the kids got their power play and, you know, it's the Super Bowl. We don't need that. That's right. That's right. And that's important because we understand that as parents and as adults, and we have a lot more agency, right? Kids don't have that many chances to quote unquote act out, not necessarily in a bad way, but to be independent, to have these. So I, I, I think that's the other side that when you get in that power play, it's like, oh, I'm doing something new. I'm, it, it's an opportunity for them almost. <laughs> so in terms of when you're doing using one, two, three magic, is do you would you change if there's certain issues going on like sibling rivalry or certain types of tantrums over food? Would you have different discipline or different counting based on that, or would you say I'm just going to focus on that area, or would you say hey let's just use it use it generally for behavior? Well, you can you use it generally, but you want to keep in mind it's for negative behavior. Right, sure. So you wouldn't use it for eating. You would use it for sibling rivalry. And sometimes, I'm not sure if this is what you're looking for, but with sibling rivalry, we tailor it to that unique problem, meaning that we count both kids. We never ask the world's stupidest question, who started it? Mm -hmm. And we never expect older kids to be more mature during a fight than younger kids. So we tailor that to the sibling rivalry thing so it works best because there's two combatants here. And that makes it different. That's right. And that's so smart. I mean, because it happens all the time. You expect your older child to be the mature one because he's, quote unquote, two years older. <laughs> yeah. He's a seven-year-old, right? Like, that's not yeah. an adult. We have trouble keeping our patience sometimes. So we're expecting our kids to be these total angels. It's 
you know, I think, yeah. I, yeah. If, you know, if you don't mind my saying so, I think we parents are totally unrealistic when it comes to sibling rivalry. Sibling rivalry is evolutionary, it's intense, it's genetic, it's innate, it is powerful. I mean, we're talking about powerful hatred. And a lot of us parents, we expect our kids to love one another with the same kind of love that we love them. Well, they don't. They have much more innate competition. And we parents, we just we just sweep that under the rug and we don't pay attention to it. We're we're just horrible wishful thinkers. I hope that makes sense. But it absolutely does. I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's parenting's hard. And we I, I, I think what you said about it being when you have an ADHD child, when you're raising an ADHD child, you have to be a professional parent almost. I think a lot of us feel that way, even if our children our our children are quote unquote normative. I mean, we just there's a lot of challenges. They're gonna all be different challenges, sure. But that's why I think this program works so well and why I appreciate you bringing it to us here, Dr. Phelan. And I am going to let you go. I know you're very busy and I know my audience is. And this is one of the best podcasts that I've had. You're one of my favorite guests. I mean, as Thank you me. can, yeah. And as you can tell audience, if you did, we've just scratched the surface of the book here. So again, I couldn't recommend it more. One, two, three, magic, get it wherever books are sold. And you can search for Dr. Phelan online and find all sorts of great, great things. Dr. Phelan, do you have any closing words for us? Anything you'd recommend to a new dad or a dad with a kid on the way? I do. I, I, a couple of things. One is that third parenting job is bonding. Mm. And my absolute favorite, now this is going to sound totally sacrilegious. Family fun is dangerous. Shared one-on-one fun, one parent and one child is the way to bond. So we like to do things as a family all the time. What's wrong with that? Sibling rivalry, multiple agendas. The real way to bond with your kids is one-on-one. I mean, you don't have to do it all the time, but people do family fun way too much. And so I just want to put in a plug for shared one-on-one fun. It means dad takes one kid, mom takes the other one. We used to do that. I'd, go on a, I'd take my daughter to Wisconsin. We'd go shopping. My son stay home with my wife. I take my son bowling to Wisconsin. My wife do something else with my daughter, you know. And it's it's a when there's no chance of that sibling rivalry and there's not the multiple family agendas, it's it's just a, a great time. Wow, that's another very simple but genius idea. I mean, it's growing up, my parents did that some, and we also had amazing family events. But no, having that one-on-one time, you're right, creates a bond and totally different agendas. And I I love that. Yeah, that's a great idea. Great idea. Well, thank you for joining us, Dr. Phelan. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And audience, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Thanks. If you liked our podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. If you haven't joined us yet, go to adadspath.com to get our free newsletter exclusively for dads. And do you know a friend who might like this podcast? Send it on. We want to help as many dads as possible make fatherhood count. Dad on. Dad on.